0: Shackled by a hair. me. Oh, he touched me. He touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened and now At this blessed Savior, since He cleansed and made me whole, I will never cease to praise Him. I'll shout it while eternity Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. He touched me, oh, he touched me, he touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something
1: Amen. Like I said this morning, I'm glad He touched me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Boy. Well, take your Bible today. Turn over the book of Matthew, please. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to begin in verse 24. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. And we're going to read just a couple of verses there. I'm doing a little sound check today. Turn me up just a little bit, would you please? Thank you. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. I think I hear more here than you hear there. I just could tell that just a moment ago. Not that you really care to hear much from me, but hopefully you'll hear from heaven today, amen? That's the key, amen? Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. I I don't know about you, but it bothers me when I sit in a service and I hear people rattling pages all the time, and I hear a little scratching and things, or if a child just happens to be drawing a picture, I hear more of the pencil than I hear the preacher and my point being is is that sometimes the sound is just to the point where it seems like everything else is heard rather than the voice you know what I'm saying and it's I mean I understand children if they're little for a long time we had children in the service at eleven, and boy, I tell you I mean some of the kids are so young we, they did great, I thought but Still, maybe they're drawing and I'm like, man, are you kidding me? I hear that little pencil or pen running more than I hear the preacher. And so I think if we turn up a little bit and you say, but every once in a while, my ears feel like they're going to be, you know, start bleeding, preacher. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll try to do my best, okay? So anyway, we'll try to keep it down. But I just want to make sure that what I hear when I go into a preaching service is the preaching. And that's what I want to hear, amen? All right, well, we'll see how it turns out today. But anyway, Matthew chapter 16. Verse 24, the Bible tells us there, it says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Well, Jesus' fame had flourished amidst the feeding of the 4,000. I mean, people had begun to just kind of mutter his name and speak it from time to time his reputation his his testimony began to grow people knew who he was and boy just seemed that his fame began to grow and grow but many of those who at one point would have his name on their lips would betray him when it came time to stand The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had combined forces in hopes of somehow derailing the Lord Jesus Christ and ultimately seeing Him crucified. Our chapter begins, chapter 16, with these enemies of Christ demanding a sign. The fact is, is that they didn't really believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We note that the Sadducees They thought it was just simply impossible for signs to even be performed. While the Pharisees were confident that Jesus was not the one to perform miracles, if anyone could. So they certainly had no real belief or any sincere desire to affirm the deity of Christ. They were simply looking for an occasion. They were looking for a means by which to accuse him. And then just a few verses after this, we note the disciples. They had seemed to have forgotten bread on their trip. Here they are on the boat, moving across the sea, and they have no bread. And it seems that not only had they forgotten bread, but they had forgotten what Jesus did in feeding the 4,000. And so we see their unbelief and recognize it. It wouldn't be long that in this same chapter that the question is asked, but whom say ye that I am? And of course we have Peter who steps up and emphatically states, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Wow. That was a great moment for him. And a great one for us. However, that same disciple, after hearing the inevitable demise of Christ on Calvary, would then rebuke the Lord and say it wasn't to be so. He would turn to the Lord when hearing that he would go to Jerusalem and ultimately be crucified, he'd say, No, Lord, no way. I won't let it happen. And the Bible tells us that Jesus said, Get thee behind me, Satan. I can almost picture it in my mind. I, I can see uh, Peter saying those words, you know, forget it, Lord. He says, uh, uh, there's no way. Uh, I'm not going to permit it. I won't allow it, Lord. And the Lord turns his back, turns around, and faces the other disciples and says, get thee behind me, Satan. Wow. He's not saying that Peter himself was Satan at the moment. What he's expressing and implying is that he became the mouthpiece of Satan. And may I say today that if we're not careful, we too can become the mouthpiece of Satan. Jesus goes on to say, For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. And that is the segue into our particular passage this morning. Jesus saying to Peter, For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? It's been well said that the first question that comes to a soul is... Heaven or hell? That's the first question that comes to a soul. Heaven or hell? We understand that the Bible teaches that we were born into sin. We know that without Jesus Christ and his perfect sacrifice on Calvary, we would fail to measure up to his perfection. We could never, ever hope to earn his favor except it be through the precious perfect blood of Jesus Christ and we are confronted with a question as human beings heaven or hell we know there's a heaven but we all must acknowledge the same as far as hell and the question burns in our ears heaven or hell which will it be I trust and I hope today that you have settled that question. I pray that without a doubt, in your mind, you can stand and say with all confidence, I am a child of the King. I've been born again. I've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Heaven or hell. When that question is settled in favor of heaven, the second question that comes to a soul is heaven or earth? Heaven or earth? Take your Bible, look over at 1 John chapter 2, would you please? First John chapter 2, verse 15. The Bible tells us in First John chapter 2, verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. We are admonished not to love the world. I am extremely pleased when a person makes their decision on behalf of heaven, when they finally come to a place where they acknowledge their sin and they look to Jesus and say, Please forgive me, receive me, and accept me into your beloved. I'm glad when you've made a decision for heaven over hell. That's a blessing. But the second question is equally important in, re- in respect to the believer's life. Heaven or earth? And what we're actually saying is simply this. Will I allow myself to live on behalf of heaven? Will I permit myself and expect myself to live eternal mind, eternally minded? Or will I allow myself to be bound by this earth and by this flesh? We often stop short, we, we answer the first question and we emphatically cry, I am saved by the blood of Christ, I'm on my way to heaven, I have, I have chosen heaven over hell, but then we fail to take the next step and answer the next question, equally as important as a believer, heaven or earth, which will it be? Will I live a life of selfishness? Will I live a life bound by flesh? Or will I permit Jesus Christ to rule and reign in my life and to have perfect leadership? Once we have settled that first question, heaven or hell, we have to settle the second question at the foot of the cross and in light of the value of a soul. See, first there's a question of your soul. Then there's the question of the souls of others that's really the two questions heaven hell your soul heaven earth the souls of others and may I say in order to make the right decision concerning the second question it will have to be considered and made in light of the cross of Jesus Christ And in light of the value of a soul. Turn if you would to Romans chapter 9 please. We have the example of the Apostle Paul. I am so happy that the Apostle Paul. While on his way to to take into custody believers. to, To literally hurt and harm the cause of Christ. Was met by Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. I'm glad that he received the Lord and made a decision for heaven over hell. But may I say that his work continued. May I say that he also stood in light of the souls of men and made a decision for heaven over earth. Notice what he says in chapter 9, verse 3. For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, Paul the Apostle looks over his kinsmen, his Jewish brothers and sisters, and he says, I wish if it could only be so, I'd give my very soul that they might live. In Romans chapter 10, verse 1, he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I think it's so awfully important to realize and recognize that prayer is valuable for a number of reasons, but one, because prayer has a tendency to affect our, ability, our, our thoughts. And our thoughts then have an ability to affect our behavior. And when we fail to pray, we do not give God the opportunity to change our thinking. And in changing our thinking, He'll change our attitude and our outlook, but also our actions and our behavior. And the Apostle Paul says as he prays, Oh God, my heart's desire, my longing, my real goal in life is to see them come to Christ. Can I tell you that God did something with that prayer to change the outlook of the Apostle Paul and ultimately change his behavior and his, his, his actions. Now the Apostle Paul wasn't sitting in, on, on the, 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 a council anymore. Paul wasn't simply just... Preaching in a church, Paul was going around the world trying to reach both men and women, boys and girls with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He had made a decision for heaven over hell. But he had also made a decision for heaven over the earth. The apostle Paul was a very intelligent person, I'm sure. He could have easily carved out a path in this world. He could have easily had all the things that the world calls success but instead, he said, no, I choose heaven, not earth. I'll not be bound by my flesh. I'll not allow myself to be ruled here on earth. I recognize that there's an eternity that awaits, and there's something bigger and better to live my life on behalf. We have Jesus. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. That first question must be settled in favor of heaven. But once it is settled, the second question must be answered at the foot of the cross and in light of the value of a soul. Heaven or earth? See that first question is the question of your soul. And then there's the question of the souls of others. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. The Bible says of the Lord Jesus Christ, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. I don't know about you, but when I think of the Lord Jesus Christ, I recognize and I understand completely that he is God, And I know that he created the universe, and I realize and recognize as well that there was not one need that went unmet while he was in heaven. And yet, the Bible tells us that he chose to become poor. He was rich, but he chose to become poor. For your sake and for mine, that through his poverty we might be made rich. Notice in John chapter 10, verse 17. Turn there, would you please? John chapter 10, verse 17. Once again, we speak of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Bible says, therefore doth my father love me. We get insight into his heart his purpose, his reason for living as he shares, therefore doth my Father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again, that no man taketh it it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. In this passage, we have Jesus Christ, of course, making a conscious decision to lay down his life. See, that first choice that you and I make is a choice about our soul, heaven or hell. And yet what we find in the Word of God is that we're forever to be dying to self and crucifying the flesh. And like Jesus said, oh, I was rich, but I became poor on your behalf. And the fact is, is that I am willing to lay down my life for you. And may I ask you this question today. Are you willing to lay down your life for others? The world looks at this, I mean, the world looks at this principle, and they think it illogical. They think it totally outlandish. They find it to be ridiculous. There was a man by the name of Jim Elliott, and he was a missionary. He reached out to the Alka Indians. He had a wife and a family. He, along with some others. Five young men martyred became martyred ultimately lost their lives reaching out to those Indians in Ecuador he wrote in his diary these words he said he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose listen again he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose C.T. Studd He was a famous preacher, but he also um, gave up some things, fame and fortune, in order to take the gospel to pagan tribes. Now again, giving up things or sacrificing is relative. It's, It's kind of based on your own perspective. I don't personally believe that we give anything up to serve the Lord in that regard. However, we do practically give some things up, but I don't think it's the sacrifice often that we try to portray. I don't think you ever lose giving to God. I think you always win because you never can outgive Him. But C.T. Studd could have been fame. He could have enjoyed the fame and the fortune, I'm sure, of a very lucrative job. I mean, he could have pastored a church right in his hometown, he could have walked into a wonderful facility and proclaimed the Word of God. But instead, C.T. Studd said, some wish to live within the sound of church and Chapel Bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Isn't that something? Some wish to live without the sound of church and Chapel Bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What is a man, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? That word exchange, that means to give one thing or a commodity, if you will, for another. So I, I have, say, a Bible, and I'm going to exchange it for some money. Here's my Bible. Would you like to purchase it? So in a sense, I'm simply saying this. When we, we exchange money for goods and services, we're basically selling something. And the passage is saying, what shall a man give in exchange for a soul? I kind of get the impression then that it, it's implying this. What shall a man give? What, what, what shall a man give in exchange for a soul? Uh, what will he sell a soul for? Some will sell their soul for fame and notoriety. They'll take that soul and they'll say, "You know what? My soul. I, I know. I, I may even believe there's a God in heaven, and I might be convinced that that that." that the Bible's somewhat true, but you know what? Fame and notoriety are so valuable, so important to me, I'll sell my soul for it. I'll choose hell over earth because I want fame and fortune. I'll sell my soul for fame and notoriety. Money and pleasure may be their thing. Maybe for money and pleasure, we'll choose to sell our soul. That's pretty sad, isn't it? But, but I I mean, you and I both know, maybe you've knocked on the door, maybe you've spoken to a family member, friend, or acquaintance, and you've tried to uh, reason with them of the gospel, and they come to the place where they're just unwilling to trust and receive him. May I ask you why that is? Because they're unwilling to pay the price that it takes to become a child of God because they would prefer to hold on to something other than their soul. Maybe it's a particular relationship. I, I need that relationship and I need my needs met and, and I understand that I need to be saved, but the truth is this relationship's more important to me than even my soul. The fact is, is that I'm doing some things that are amiss from the point, vantage point of God's word. I know that I'm not fulfilling the righteousness that God intended for me as a believer. Or, or, or I mean, I'm not doing those things which are right or wrong, I'm really getting mixed up here now because I preached this once and I'm trying to get too far ahead. I'm on the next point without being through this one. So nonetheless, for a relationship, they sell their soul. Power and authority. For power and authority. We've watched people through the years who have chosen power and authority rather than to protect their soul, rather than to choose heaven, they choose hell And sell their soul for power and authority. Maybe for a reputation, possibly for recreation or sports, or maybe even comfort and ease. Or simply convenience. You know, that's sad, isn't it? To think that someone would would sell their soul for convenience, or for comfort and ease, for recreation or sports. Sell their soul for anything. It's so tragic, isn't it? But they sell their soul. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What's he gonna sell his soul for? Remember our first question Heaven, hell. Our second question upon coming to Jesus Christ, upon receiving the Lord as our Savior and him taking up residency in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. The second question is, heaven or earth? Boy, it's easy for we who know Christ as our Savior to look at those who are are selling their soul and going to hell. Selling their soul for something other than Jesus Christ. My friend, we would look at that and say, how foolish. But the second question is heaven or earth. And we need to settle that second question at the foot of the cross again. And in light of the value of a soul. We looked at. Paul the Apostle. We've already considered Jesus Christ. And what we learned is that they said, you know what, I'll let nothing stand in the way of reaching the world with the gospel. What will you sell your soul for? You say, oh, I would never do that. Second question then. What will you sell the souls of others for? What will you sell the souls of others for? Maybe some fame and notoriety. Possibly some money or pleasure. I mean, I realize and recognize that there's a heaven and a hell preacher. I know that I ought to be living for Jesus Christ, but I got a living to make and I've got responsibilities and I can't possibly be concerned about others right now when I have me and my family to worry about. So I think I'll sell their souls for some money and pleasure. Maybe a particular relationship. That's the one I was on. How many times have we watched young men, young ladies, and even older men and older ladies who are unwilling to give up a particular relationship that continually leads them away from Jesus Christ? Maybe they're living in a sinful situation, but they're unwilling to give that up. Why? Because they need their needs met. So they'll sell the souls of mankind For a relationship oh I know I've made my choice heaven over hell but there's another decision that must be made heaven or earth I mean will you and I choose to live our lives in light of eternity Or will we choose to be bound on this earth and bound by our flesh and allow our lives to be reckoned with by God one day instead of dealing with that today and ultimately being used of God in a mighty way to reach the world with the gospel? We're going to answer either way. Power and authority. Yeah, Yeah, I'll sell their souls for that. Maybe a reputation. And I don't want people to think I'm, you know, some Billy Bible. I don't want to think I'm a fanatic. Have you looked around the world lately? Have you watched the news? Talk about fanatics. My friend, where in the world is our Christianity? Why are we so silent as the world screams out for help? Oh, I could never, I, I just, I mean, I don't want people to think I'm like crazy or something. Really? Yeah, I'll sell their soul for my reputation. Yeah, sold. Sold. Recreation and sports. Hey, listen, I love playing sports, but can I honestly tell you, I don't, ever be- I don't believe for one moment that sports ought to supersede the church. I don't. I don't believe. You say, yeah, but you'll scar your kids for life if you don't. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm watching how it's turning out. I'm watching how this 50% Christianity working for people. I'm, I'm, I'm watching how, how we've gone ahead and sold the souls of mankind in order to somehow meet the needs of our families and be so effective in our communities. And yet what I'm not seeing is souls being saved, lives being changed, and I'm watching homes disintegrate before our very eyes. I don't see Christ big in the home anymore, and yet we seem, it was 20 years ago, we turned from Sunday night services and said, let's make it Sunday night family time so we can be stronger in our homes and our families. All I see is more divorce in our homes. All I see is more division in our homes. All I see is God in in the world crying out, please obey my word, instead of allowing your, your marriages in your homes to disintegrate. And may I say the world has gotten such a foothold in the church's families that it's It's pitiful and it's sickening. Oh, we got family time though, boy. Selling the souls of the world for our family time. And don't think for a minute you haven't sold your children down the down the river, too, in many cases. Don't do it. Don't do that. Recreation sports. What about comfort and ease? What about convenience? Well, you know, preacher, I know how important it is, those souls out there, and they're really important, and I, I believe that. I don't question that a bit, but that, that, that time just doesn't work for me. It's just so hard to make it those times. It's so hard to get involved in the church lately. It's just so hard. I've got so many things going all the time, and convenience. So what do we do? We sell the souls to mankind. See, there's just simply two questions that kind of sum up the Christian life then. Heaven or hell? You made that choice. Heaven, I trust. Once you've made that decision, once I've made that decision, there's another question. Heaven or earth? And that question can only be answered at the foot of the cross and in light of the souls of men and women. How valuable is a soul to you today? How valuable. It's that simple. I don't want to sell my soul. I chose heaven. But can I be honest with you? There have certainly been times in my life I have sold the souls of others for something on that list. Do you know why we still celebrate the life of the Apostle Paul? Do you know why we look at Jesus Christ with such adoration? Because they gave it all for others. I'm not saying that you have to go home and sell your house and get rid of all your goods and give it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this right here. I'm talking about answering that first question in the affirmative, heaven is my home. I know I'm going there and I have it settled. Salvation is mine forever, confident. But that second question, heaven again. I'm focused on eternity. I'm not going to allow the things of this temporal life to hold me back and hold me down. I'm going to look at heaven, and I'm going to keep my eyes on the sky and look for the return of Christ and live my life as though there is a tomorrow, and it doesn't end with the grave souls. we got to settle that second question at the foot of the cross and in light of the value of a soul. I pray you haven't sold your soul. I pray if you have, you'll just go back and take it back from the devil and say, oh, by the way, I changed my mind. Give it back. I'm going to give it to Jesus. But What about us today that know him? What will we sell the souls of others for? I pray we wouldn't. I pray we would make conscious decisions today to care for the souls of the world, our family, our friends, our relatives, our acquaintances. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And What shall a man give in exchange for the souls of others? May God help us to make the right decision, not only with the first question, But also with the second, Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time we've had in the Word of God, the simple, simple truths, simple truth. I ask, Lord, that you just uh, be with anyone that is questioning their soul salvation. If they haven't settled their soul salvation, may they settle it today. Heaven or hell, a simple question. Can they consciously, confidently state heaven? And if not, may they just see one of the gentlemen up front and have someone take a Bible and show them how to be saved, how to know for sure heaven's their home. But Lord, for we who have already settled that question and have moved on to the next, heaven or earth, May we make a conscious decision today to choose heaven again. And Lord, we'll only do that at the foot of the cross and in light of the value of souls. May we value souls today enough to say heaven and live our lives for eternity and not just the temporal. Now bless us, we need you in Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed.